Welcome to Humanity's Moment of Choice on Voice America, a series created with global leaders from the Evolutionary Leaders Circle. This is your Voice America host, Dr. Kurt Johnson. This series highlights key issues, challenges, and hopes that affect all of us, no matter where we are or what our roles, jobs, hopes, and dreams may be. So settle back and get ready for some discussions and insights that are bound to be relevant to you and to your life. This is the seventh special program in our series, and it follows on our previously life-relevant themes for humanity's moment of choice, choosing Earth, Voices for a Thriving Future, Choosing Peace, Choosing to Serve, Conscious Leadership, and Joining Science and Spirit. This special is entitled Humanity's Moment of Choice, Unity, and the Unitive Nature of Reality. And it is brought to you by the Unitive Narrative Synergy Circle of the Evolutionary Leaders in association with the Light on Light Press, the host of this Voice America series. All the episodes of which are based on the Evolutionary Leaders' multiple award-winning book are Moment of Choice, Evolutionary Visions, and hope for the future. We've had some 29,000 listeners for these broadcasts, which are now available 24-7 at the same Voice America show page where you've just joined us. This special Humanity's Moment of Choice, Unity and the Unitive Nature of Reality, is a particular moment because following on all of this activities, The evolutionary leaders will be hosting an event in Sedona, Arizona in March 2023 entitled Igniting the Holo Movement, which will be all about how this unfolding sense of interconnectedness, unity, and oneness is going to have to be the guide for humanity stepping up on a global level to meet the urgent challenges of our time. The Holo Movement is just that of movement based on and regenerating the wholeness, oneness, the one human family that is so desperately needed in these times. And the Light on Light Press, host of this Voice America series, will be publishing the book describing this groundswell entitled The Holo Movement, Embracing Our Collective Purpose to Unite Humanity. The group of evolutionary leaders bringing you this program are not only renowned visioners of this view, but authors of a unitive narrative vision that is both helping guide this unfolding and also featured in the upcoming Holo Movement book. They are Dr. Julie Kroll, who will be moderating, and Dr. Jude Curavan, Dr. Robert Atkinson, and Teresa Collins full buyers for whom are all at the Voice America show page and about which each guest I'll be saying more when I introduce them in a moment. But first I'm joined by the Reverend Deborah Moldau, the director of the Evolutionary Leader Circle, to say more about the evolutionary leaders, their upcoming seminal work for igniting this vision, and also the unitive message itself, which is what you'll be hearing about in this next hour with our guests based on this urgent theme, humanity's moment of choice. So over now to the director of the Evolutionary Leaders Circle, the Reverend Deborah Moldau. Thank you, Kurt. 
And thank you for your excellent work as the Synergy Circles Coordinator, giving members of the Evolutionary Leaders Circle and other visionaries the opportunity to join together around common areas of interest to build synergy and create impact in this critical moment of choice for all humanity. Today's program is particularly timely since the message of unitive consciousness has been ringing forth like a clarion call throughout the community of evolutionary leaders, particularly through the voices of those taking part in today's episode. As you mentioned, Kurt, this powerful adventure into the mystery of oneness will bring changemakers together in Sedona, Arizona in March of 2023 to ignite the HOLO movement. What if this movement toward unity had a name and a way to show up in the world? What if people everywhere were helping it to emerge? Wouldn't you want to be part of that? As Bob Atkinson, Teresa Collins, Jude Curvin, and Julie Krull guide us through this important concept today, listeners will be able to feel the evolutionary impulse that is giving rise to the HOLO movement right now. Everyone will feel their excitement as they share fresh insights into our future as one humanity, at last aware of our inherent connection to our living interconnected universe. This is the HOLO movement calling us. So let's hear these wonderful speakers. Back to Kurt Johnson. Yes, and thank you so much, the Reverend Deborah Moldau, Director of the Evolutionary Leaders. And encapsulating this global vision, let's just revisit for a moment the message of the Evolutionary Leaders book on which this series is based, Our Moment of Choice, Evolutionary Visions, and Hope for the Future. In this short description of the book from its publisher, Beyond Words, Simon & Schuster. Hello, this is Richard Cohn, publisher of Beyond Words. We are very honored to be partnering with Simon & Schuster and the Synergy Foundation to bring you a new thought-provoking book for these challenging times. It is called Our Moment of Choice, and it features 43 of the world's most well-known spiritual thinkers, offering practical solutions to the most pressing problems of our time from economic inequality and social injustice to climate change and spiritual disconnection. Deepak Chopra offers his thoughts on how our inherent wholeness is not a choice, while Greg Braden suggests that we can change our world by first realizing that none of us are separate from each other. Lynn McTaggart investigates the link between altruism and self-healing. Michael Bernard Beckwith, Bruce Lipton, and many others share their thoughts on moving forward in ways that expand our consciousness and benefit the global community. Our moment of choice calls on us all to be the co-creators of a just, unified, peaceful, and thriving world. The time has come for all humanity to be united in purpose. This is our call to action. This is our collective moment of choice 
upon which our future depends. You can purchase your copy today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Beyond Words, or your local independent bookstore. Well, thanks so much. And let's move over right now then to our discussion, which will be moderated by Dr. Julie Crow. Julie is the author of the Nautilus Award-winning book, Fractured Grace, How to Create Beauty, Peace, and Healing for Yourself and the World, founder of Good of the Whole, and host of the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. And she'll be leading a discussion with Dr. Robert Adkinson, the two-time Nautilus Book Award winner and co-editor of our Moment of Choice, the book that you just heard about. And among so many other things, founder of the One Planet Peace Forum, and author of the book just released from the Light on Light Press, A New Story of Wholeness. Dr. Jude Curavan, cosmologist, anthropologist, and author of the two noted books, The Cosmic Hologram and The Story of Gaia, founder of The Whole World View, and a contributor to the book, Our Moment of Choice. And Teresa Collins, co-founder and producer of the Global Coherence Pulse, and a founding cohort of the Islands of Coherence Network. Teresa consults on a number of international projects that are all aligned with this vision of a unitive consciousness. Full bios for all of them are at the Voice America show page. So with that, let me pass the baton over to Dr. Julie Kroll. Thanks, Kurt. Thank you so much. Our moment of choice, humanity's moment of choice is choosing us. What do I mean by that? Hello, I'm Julie Kroll, and I've gathered a few leading authorities on unity, wholeness, and the evolution of consciousness to explore humanity's moment of choice in these transformative times. From the cosmology to the direct experience, from the new science to universal wisdom, we're going to look at the unitive nature of reality and how our living universe is inviting us to co-create as co-evolutionary partners. This invitation covers everything from the stories we tell to how we organize ourselves as a species. We'll explore the whole story as we leave behind the epoch of separation and step into the dawning unitive age on our beautiful conscious planet as Gaians. Are we choosing unity or is unity choosing us? Let's explore this idea. And with me today to do that, I have three amazing guests. First, Dr. Jude Curavan, award-winning author, cosmologist, and founder of The Whole World View. Dr. Bob Atkinson, award-winning author, educator, developmental psychologist, and founder of the One Planet Peace Forum and Teresa Collins, innovator of whole systems strategic design, learning community development, and online education, and co-founder of the Glo Global Coherence Pulse, and founder of the Islands of Coherence Network. Oh, I'm excited about our conversation today. And Jude, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with you. <laughs> Let's start with the big picture. So in your new book, The Story of Gaia, you documented the 13.8 billion year journey of conscious 
of a conscious universe that meaningfully and purposefully exists to evolve from simplicity to complexity to diversity. This evolutionary impulse is important when we're looking at our own human journey. So when I say something radical and perhaps really nonsensical, like unity choosing us, is unity choosing us? To our moment of choices choosing us, it sounds kind of weird, but I'm wondering from the, from the place that, that you're at writing this amazing new book, the story of Gaia and, and hearing my introduction, what does all this mean to you? Are we choosing unity or is unity choosing us? Thanks, Julie. I, I think it's a false, a false premise that it's an either or. I think it's an and, and. I mean, what I'm writing about in the story of Gaia and previously to that, the cosmic hologram is, as you say, a universe that exists and evolves as a unified entity literally as a cosmic hologram and as a hologram the whole is in every pixelated part and every pixelated part reflects the whole so because our universe is unified and we are its microcosmic co-creators as as intrinsically co-evolutionary partners in its evolutionary impulse its consciousness is sentience our living universe and I would suggest our living planetary home Gaia is inviting us into a remembered unity. And we, because we're resonating and that evolutionary impulse is flowing through us, we are inviting ourselves to the party because, you know, we don't just embody unity and diversity and unity in inclusion. We literally embody unity in belonging. We belong with each other, our planetary home Gaia, our entire universe. So we don't need to be asked, but we are being asked by that evolutionary impulse. But because we belong, we naturally say yes to this timing, this here and now, and our collective moment of choice. Mm. I love that. Thank you so much. I'm wondering, Teresa and Bob, is there anything from that that you want to jump in and follow up with? Because I think that this this moment of choice that we've been running this series this, this incredible voices that have come through episode after episode of our moment of choice or humanity's moment of choice has really brought up some interesting topics. And here we are really talking about this unitive function and its rightful place in all of these conversations. So, um, Bob, Teresa, would one of you want to jump in here and just respond to what Jude's saying? Sure. This is a great topic. We can go lots of ways with this, but, um, <clears throat> For me, it's um, it's definitely a choice that we need to consciously make in this moment. But at the same time, it's that choice is based on a mutual relationship, us and whatever we want to call it, the creator who has created this incredible, amazing process of the evolution of consciousness that we're experiencing here on this, on our planetary home. And, and so I think what we're saying is that um, wholeness is all there is. What's happened, though, is that we get lost in the details, in the parts of the whole, which create the illusion of separation. 
In fact, this is the story of the evolution of consciousness. We're on the way back to where we came from. And the thing about wholeness is, wholeness as all there is, is that we, humanity, have seen this wholeness differently at different times in our existence. The way we can visualize these differences in the way we've seen wholeness is as a cyclical unfolding of consciousness. And there are many versions of this flow to understand how our understanding of wholeness as all there is has shifted. A couple of those versions are unity to disunity and back to unity, wholeness to separation and back to wholeness, coherence to incoherence and back to coherence. These are all variations on one pattern of the evolution of consciousness. And thinking about that mutual relationship that we have, there's an incredible quote from Desmond Tutu that I just like, I think is perfect here. I mean, he's got one of the greatest thoughts of our time. He says, we are being called to wholeness, to unity, by something greater than ourselves, not by our own doing or even our own consciousness, but by divine consciousness. In his words, in Desmond Tutu's words, God holds out an invitation to us, an invitation to wholeness that leads to flourishing for all of us. Can we imagine what this world would be like if we all answered that call, if we accepted that invitation? <laughs> wow. Yeah. We're going to talk about wholeness again. Your expertise here, Bob, is so important for us. So we're going to dig into this a little deeper. And that's a amazing quote. I love that. I'm going to let Teresa jump in here real quick to kind of uh, set this conversation from your perspective, Teresa, too, of, of, yeah, what do you want to say about this question of unity and unity choosing us? Well, I, lo- I loved you that you started off with our big story, because that's that's kind of what I was raised on. You know, I worked with Barbara Marks Hubbard early on, and so I was brought up in the story that um, the universe continues to grow through these quantum leaps, and that there's these moments where our thriving moves into disequilibrium. And in those moments, like in the early seas of Earth, I love that story, right? That the single cells were flourishing, and then all of a sudden, they didn't realize the impact of their flourishing on the whole system, and it became, began to collapse. And, you know, they created a toxin called oxygen, and they were on the verge of extinction. And all of a sudden, what happened? Life innovated with them, through them, as them and clustered together into multicellular organisms, which created the biosphere and everything that we're enjoying right now. And so that story inspired me and also humbled me to say, it'd been happening for 15 billion years and why would it stop now? And and it sounds like that's what what's happening to us is we didn't realize as we were thriving the impact it had on the whole because we couldn't feel ourselves as whole because our story was we weren't part of it and but I felt part of it the science kept reinforcing for me what I was experiencing when I actually got 
in awe, <laughs> you know, was in awe of what was going on. And so I started looking for what's my part, because if it's happening on all scales, what the heck can I do except for show up for it, partner with it and find out how I can play? So I love that you started with that big picture and that I think it's inside all of us. And I think as we start to trust the new science, the science that reminds us of our unity and we allow ourselves to come into partnership with that intelligence that is us as us, but we're just a little speck of, then I think it is we're choosing and it's choosing because it's all one thing. That's what I'd say. I love that. I love that. And Teresa, that just brings me to a place of pause because I think this is a really, before we move on, a really important piece that to, to really affirm the understanding that the new science is substantiating universal spiritual wisdom. And Jude, is there anything more that you want to say about the convergence of science and universal spiritual wisdom before we move on to story? Well, I love hearing what how Bob and, and Teresa sort of responded to your original question too, Julie. I, I guess the only thing I would add is that it, this convergence actually integrates our perspective to something that is greater than either. Because in a way, our, our perception of spirituality in many instances has been of separation. We've talked about mind, body and spirit. And as our dear friend Elizabeth Sartoris, the evolutionary biologist, likes to speak of, you know, consciousness is a, an entire piano keyboard. And, and so when, when this convergence is, is really now, um, on, at this point of integration with so much compelling evidence, it's almost, it's almost bringing literally, as, as we're saying, the wholeness of who we really are, body and mind and spirit no longer sort of in any sense separated. But the entirety of our consciousness as a microcosmic co-creator <laughs> as a, of our entire universe. And when we, when we, when we move into not just understanding that, but experiencing it and embodying it, as Teresa said, you, you have for so long. And I think we all have is the relationship between us and our planetary home and our entire universe becomes a, a, a sort of relational belonging. And I think that's where potentially we are at in this moment of choice. And I'm so excited for whatever else is going to flow through us and we're going to flow through it as we continue to, to share our perspectives today. So beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And the, the, the whole idea of wholeness is, is perfect for this transition because Bob, woo, let's use this topic of universal spiritual wisdom to really pivot here when we're talking about the science, because I, I'm like so excited. I, I want to jump ahead and keep pulling all of this stuff together. We've, we've been on this planet as humans, as storytellers for a long, long, long time. And our most ancient universal and spiritual stories have been associated with the unity that we're talking about. Storytelling and narrative are a vital part of our consciousness, the personal development, and our culture. You've written about all of this in your new book, A New Story of Wholeness. 
Let's pull this thread through when it comes to a unitive narrative. This is a pattern like you had mentioned early on that has repeated over and over and over and has existed for centuries here. So as we're talking about the science, as we're talking about these ancient stories that, that, that we've been telling ourselves, what is this role of wholeness and the voice of unity that we're talking about here? Stories are so vital to us individually and, and the evolution of culture <clears throat> on all levels from the, from the family to the community to the nation to the, to the globe. And storytelling has gone through a process of evolution as well. This, like everything else that we've been talking about. And, and, um, just to go back for a second to what you were talking with Jude about, um, even, even the story of, of, uh, science and spirituality as two ways of knowing, they began, as I was saying earlier, they began as a whole. They weren't separated at all in the very beginning, but there came a time when they separated, science and spirituality separated. And now we're recognizing the necessity of realizing how science and spirituality are so interconnected and so dependent and so and it's so interdependent on each other because they're two knowledge systems ex- expressing the same truth of the reality that we're all part of. So that's another example of how this, uh, you know, we started as a whole, things spread out, got confusing, and now they're coming back together. And we see that in a short history of, of, um, the role of stories in, in, in all levels of, of communities as well. And I, if you want me to take a minute here to share this, uh, short storyteller's story of, of the world, um, we can see that even in this story, there was a time when people gathered together to share stories that embodied the values and principles they lived by. These stories held the community together and gave them a shared purpose. They were unitive narratives, essential to their individual and collective well-being. Then there came a time when communities expanded, spread out, became more diverse, and experienced conflict and disorder. Out of this discord emerged divisive narratives that maintained separation. Today... As we approach a consciousness of global integration, a new story of our wholeness is needed to frame this interconnectedness. It's time to come together again through unitive narratives to share our own stories of living into wholeness. So there's a quick storyteller's view of how stories evolved over millennia, giving, also giving us a picture of how we're, we're converging on wholeness right now because Nothing may be more vital right now than a healing vision that guides us toward wholeness. Mm. Thanks, Bob. As you were reading, I was thinking about all... I My kids have read to their children since 
pre-birth, they're all really good storytellers and, and readers. And all the kids love books. And as you were talking, I was thinking about all these books and the different stories that our children are learning to, to learn about themselves in the world. And really, as I was listening to you, I was thinking about all of them that are birthed in this consciousness of separation, right? They're learning that they're not enough, that they need something outside of themselves to be whole. Like all of our stories have come from that kind of consciousness. So this really is an important part of the conversation when we're talking about unity is our storytelling and, and how we create culture and development and what have you. So Teresa and Jude, I'm wondering if you want to jump in on this topic of, of the storytelling and expand from, from your perspective. Is there anything you want to, you want to add to this? You go, Jude. <laughs> Thanks, Teresa. Really just to, to build, I think, on what Bob spoke to, um, you know, I've been in the incredibly privileged situation of sitting in circle around campfires with uh, Australian Aboriginal extended family um, and, and Native Americans and many other indigenous communities around the world. Um, and I love that, the, you know, the, they don't have television. They don't have the internet, or they do, but they, you know, the living 200 miles away from the nearest streetlights, which is where we were in the red heart of Australia, the family still sits around the fire at night and tells stories. And it, it just was such a wonderful experience. It just felt as though it was a timeless way of being together in community and hearing each other and learning from each other and building on, 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 on each other's experiences. But as Bob said as well, what it, I really came to understand at that deep experience level is that such narratives offer us meaning and purpose. And sometimes in a world of turbulence and challenge and uncertainty, which is pretty much our entire human story, they bring us together, they invite us to come together where we share unitive narratives. And they also give us that sense of shared meaning and shared purpose. So I think that's incredibly important at this moment. Yeah, here's one of our moments of choice, right? Like what are we, yeah. what stories are we listening to? You know, what has our attention in the media and social media you know, luckily, I've been surrounded by unitive narratives in much of my last 25 years. And I feel so grateful that those are the kind of stories I paid attention to because they've inspired my meaning and purpose. But just right now, everybody that's listening, what are the stories that you're feeding yourself that are influencing your understanding of yourself, of, of the potential of life? of meaning and purpose. And this is a moment for us to really choose things that reflect a unitive worldview and not one that reflects an old, outdated, outmolded worldview story of separation. That's our moment of choice right there. And we get to do it every single moment. And the more we choose to align with a unitive narrative, the more we'll discover that we have a unique part to play and that we really make a difference in how this is going to go. So, 
Yeah, thank you, Bob and Jude. I love that. We need we need more unitive narrative stories. Thank you. That's this is a beautiful um, another moment to just really pause. And I want to turn this back to you again, Bob, for the difference between narrative and what what we're talking about today is a unitive narrative. And, and um, you've done a, a beautiful job defining these terms for us. And we're talking about storytelling. We're inviting all of our listeners into this moment of choice to, to not only begin telling our own stories in a unitive narrative, but also to, to help us tell the stories to the world through our art, through our, our storytelling, through our, like, our poetry, our, like, we could go on and on, our own work, our own families, our own, yeah, there's just so much here. So, Bob, do you want to just bring us home on this topic of, of, narrative storytelling and a unitive narrative and how important this is right here right now yeah thanks Julie. yeah i can um share what i think uh from years of studying uh and living mythology and storytelling and from a from a cross-cultural perspective i i've kind of come up with what i think is a working definition of these terms that we're focusing on here now. And um, f- first, I think it's important when we, when we talk about unitive narratives and stories, we also have to, I think, remember where they originated. And that takes in all forms of stories, including uh, myths, legends, fairy tales, uh, fables, you know, all of those. And, and so one of the places to begin is, uh, what, what really is a myth? <laughs> I mean, that's a huge topic now because it's gotten so, um, confused and complicated and public usage. Actually, it's been used in the opposite way, but then what it, then what it originally you know, was, was for, I mean, we can also say that um, what we're thinking of now as unitive narratives is what the indigenous peoples originally told around the campfire. They were unitive narratives because they held the community together, because they brought about and, and maintained unity within the community. But over time, those unitive narratives that, that indigenous peoples told around the campfire became known as myths. And that took on a, a very opposite meaning than what it really was. So I, I, I see myth as a metaphorical representation of a truth to live by. And a definition of story, we might say, would be a weaving together of a sequence of events that may or may not be true. When we use narrative, that's a whole different kind of thing because it takes in story, but it's also different. It's a little more specific. And I I think um, a working definition of narrative could be the form, structure, or pattern that a story is told in. And then when we get to unitive narrative, what I 
amusing as a working definition for that is a unitive narrative is a truthful, personal, or collective story of living into the wholeness of the unified field of existence all around us. And the thing, if I have another minute, the thing about that, any definitions that we come up with like that, is that they, they really need to be sort of built on or at least understood that they're based on a, a pattern that is usually hidden, unknown, not on the surface of everything that we, you know, are aware of. It's actually, that those definitions are actually based on a, a pattern hidden within the structure of story itself. Where does that come from? Where does that hidden structure within, that, that hidden pattern within the structure of story come from? Well, one of the places we might look for that would be the, the pretty ancient hermetic principle of as above, so below, all things accomplishing the miracles of the one thing. Or maybe from Plato's vision of wholeness when he said, Perhaps there is a pattern set up in the heavens for one who desires to see it, and having seen it, to find one in himself. So that pattern within story that we can find within ourselves is evident when we have a, an understanding of, of mythology, mysticism, rites of passage, they all have variations on that pattern. And, and starting with story, it's not just beginning, middle, and end, but on a much deeper and more meaningful level, it's beginning, muddle, and resolution. And this is um, important to think of story in that way because the muddles or challenges that we face represent the core pattern that brings the process of transformation to its completion or resolution. And that basic pattern of and process of transformation is also reflected in, as I mentioned, reflected in mythology, mysticism, and even psychology, where um, we can see in psychology the stages of birth of the ego, death of the ego, and birth of the whole self. So it's a real um, universal, all-human pattern and process. It doesn't go by male or female, feminine or masculine. It's all human. And when we merge these three, th these, these various ways of knowing and practices into one, we come up with a blueprint for living into wholeness that brings with it a unitive consciousness. And my book, A New Story of Wholeness, goes into detail explaining why this blueprint consists of the three main parts, call to wholeness, path of purification, and return to wholeness. So that's a pattern that we can all keep in mind and reflect on as we take in and reflect on our own life experiences that are bringing about 
our journey through these three major archetypes, really, that are timeless as well as universal. Baba, I just had this new insight here, and so I'm going to ask Teresa and Jude to help us define unitive narrative too. I want to know what what does unitive narrative mean to each of us? But as you were talking, Bob, what happened inside of me was I was seeing not only um, the stories that come from a unitive consciousness about life itself, like stories about unity that we want to tell, like the truth about the true nature of reality. We want to tell stories that are unitive in nature and and come from that place of unitive consciousness, like through the lens of unitive consciousness. And at the same time, you're inviting us to look at stories that unite us, like telling the stories that are unitive in bringing us together, like uniting us. So there's this unitive narrative of storytelling how we perceive the world, but there's also this unitive narrative that brings us together and um, and almost like amplifies us as a community, right? It, it brings us together into that unity. I'm thinking of that fire that Jude's sitting around with the aboriginals. It's like it unifies us in, in community here. So there are these, to me today, I don't know where I've been for months and months thinking about unitive narrative, but there but both of those things just popped out for me. So I'd love to hear Jude and Teresa respond to this too. Jude, do you want to jump in here? Thanks, everyone. Deli- delighted to. I mean, yes, me too, actually. When Bob was speaking, it really gave me a, a deep resonance with that sense, not just of a unitive awareness and a unitive narrative, but that sense of inviting us to come together in, in community, in community in that sense. So, I was, I was involved with a number of us in, in drafting, and, and Bob was involved with that, I know, um, a unitive narrative as part of our evolutionary leaders, uh, synergy circle. And it, it really came to us as a, as a, a, an underpinning and a framing for action. For not just a narrative, but a narrative to underpin and frame potential for conscious evolution and transformational change in the world. So in that regard, it's sort of going back to what Bob was saying, as above, so below, and what Teresa was saying as well, it it aimed to sort of bring all together, you know, a cosmological and interspiritual, um, a, a, a planetary, a collective humanity, you know, all, all, the, all the scales up and all the scales down, perception into a unifying a unitive-based framework, unitive in the sense of a universe, an entire universe that exists and evolves as in wholeness, as a unified entity. So that was the first thing. And then the, the second thing was a sense that it's not just about understanding, but again, as Bob booked us so beautifully and as Teresa's community does so amazingly, it's about living into such unity, expressing and, and experiencing and embodying it. So in that regard, it's about a felt sense of unity, 
we're literally the whole world, every scale up and every scale down from the personal to the, to the group, to the collective, to the planetary, to the indeed cosmic. So there, there is that to it. And the third thing I'd like to say is it invites us not just to consciously evolve as individuals and not just on an iterative basis. It's like this leap into love. <laughs> So it's more of a conscious revolution. And because it is something we can't just do on an individual level, it's more of a conscious we-volution. And that then comes into that unifying and community perspective of recognizing that literally we're all, we're all in this together. We're all in this together. Teresa. Teresa. Wow, I got sparked by so much too, Bob. I hadn't really thought about story as pattern. Um, Because pattern's been a really big part of how I've understood whole systems design and, and how I've noticed how life keeps clustering things together. So I've thought about that from a pattern perspective, but I hadn't applied that into story. And then when you said that, I thought, you know, that pattern came from the sitting around the Aboriginal fires. Like maybe those stories turned into myths, but the pattern, the pattern has lived all the way through. That's the part that helps us go from, you know, belonging or beginning into the muddling or the disequilibrium and helps us to return back to some place that's not the same because it has to be an evolution. So instead of like returning, it's actually like leaping to another scale, but that pattern is what's held it together and is allowing and inspiring a unitive, unitive narratives, right? Because it's going to come from a diversity of expressions as we begin to take a breath and say, what if actually I'm connected to everything because I have to choose it, right? I have to choose to, to want to live into those stories and feel that pattern inside myself. But yeah, I, I felt really like I got all the way back to the beginning of story. And I know I can trust now that it holds the pattern. And as I tell stories from my my breathtaking right moment to choose that I am connected to everything and how I'm going to act from there begins to have that pattern in my speaking and in my sharing. And mm-hmm. yeah, wow, that was really inspiring you guys. I really have a whole different perspective now <laughs> and on the emergence of unitive narratives as the expression of our experience of coming back into wholeness at a new scale than we were before. Mm. Wow, that deserves a really nice pause, doesn't it? It's like musicians sitting around jamming. We don't know what we can do and still we start talking. And, and yeah, that was that was brilliant. I'm, I'm so glad all of these new sparks of insight are coming through today and we, you know, we asked the voice of unity to come through and here she is like, right? So Teresa, you're a leading authority on establishing coherence and building coherence in community. And you and I have a favorite quote, 
and I never can say the last name correctly, but I'm going to try Ilya Pigogine, I think is how no, you say it. Ilya Prignogine. Prignogine. Prignogine? It's Russian. <laughs> I can't do it. Say it again. You go ahead, Jude. You probably say it better than me. I doubt it. It's Ilya Prignogine. <laughs> See, I can't even, but it was so, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I love this quote. I love this, this, yeah, this Nobel laureate who said this. I'm going to share the quote. But thank you both for saying it out loud. I can't even say it. I, I've listened to it so many times of people saying it, and it won't roll off my tongue. Okay, so here's the quote. You all know it. When a complex system is far from equilibrium, small islands of coherence in a sea of chaos have the capacity to shift the entire system to a higher order. We just kind of talked about that with this journey of wholeness of really shifting us to this higher order through story and this pattern that we're having. But there's something really important here when we're talking about islands of coherence in a sea of chaos. And, and those listening probably go, yes, the world is in out of equilibrium, far from equilibrium. And, and so this is an important thing. Let's try to weave this together and, and perhaps bring new life to a unitive narrative from this perspective of, of coherence. So unity is a true nature of reality from, from where we've heard so far. And like, where do we start here? We've talked about this, this large scale conversation of looking at, at story from, from the cosmological. And here we are. Teresa, our collective consciousness is ripe and ready for this concept, this story of islands of coherence in a sea of chaos and how we can literally, literally shift to a higher capacity. This is a story. I'm just like going, oh yeah, this is a story too. This quote has a whole story for us. It's a unitive narrative. And it's important to all four of us here on this call. I know it is. So, Teresa, let's let's begin with you here. Tell us about Islands of Coherence and how this unitive narrative really does help us look at humanity's moment of choice right now. Yeah, you know, this is a pattern. When I heard this quote uh, way back 25 years ago, the moment that I heard it, I had a cellular certainty that it was true, right? So the pattern was in it. And the pattern that this has inspired in me is the same pattern that I've utilized to seed and build learning communities that come together around a shared story. Like I think we're being clustered around the stories. Like I'm seeing the pattern of the stories is what the universe is using to cluster us into these islands of coherence. So that's interesting. Now that you brought in the pattern part, I'm seeing that this quote was a pattern. And the pattern was, I recognize that pattern. And it has guided my life to say, okay, if when a system's far from equilibrium, which as you said, Julie, I think we all can agree that we are, then small islands of coherence are the answer. So how do I participate in being part of the solution? How do I become an island of coherence in myself? How do I find others who are choosing 
to open to um, an experience of being connected to everything and that the quality of our presence and our openness and our partnership with life is the gift that we can give right now in this moment of choice, in this moment of challenge. And so it's just become an exploration of this repeating pattern that has been showing me how to cluster and empower greater coherence in myself and in community. I'm just getting it. It's like, wow, this was a really big seed, a really big pattern imprint for me. And I believe, I'm going to claim this right now, I believe that cultivating coherence, our capacity for sustained coherence, personally and collectively, is the most essential thing that we could be doing right now on this planet at this time. And for me, from this place of coherence, when I really choose it and I really practice it, is when I find myself in relationship with life. And I trust life knows how to do this impossible task of getting us from here, a system far from equilibrium, to a thriving future. And I really believe that the cultivation of coherence is the way through. So that's what I have to say about that. Humanity's moment of choice, choose coherence. I love this. And Jude, I'm imagining you, things are firing off inside of you. This is a quote from a scientist. So I'd love to hear your reflections on this. Islands of coherence in a sea of chaos can shift the entire system to a higher order. I absolutely love this. And I'd just like to take us back to the big picture for a moment because we are speaking about islands of coherence within us and within our relationships and within our humanity, of course. But these patterns are universal. They are literally throughout the entire universe. There have been islands of coherence from the very get-go of our universe, 13.8 billion years. So as we've taken together as a universe, uh, a conscious universe, through to a conscious planetary home to us, it's the same patterns. They are not different patterns within us and somehow within not us. <laughs> they are the same patterns. And in science, they're often called fractals. And fractals, we see them from the scale of atoms to the scale of our entire universe and every level in between. And our collective human behaviors are also played out in those same fractal patterns. So when we talk about coherence and islands of coherence, we now know also beyond what Ilya discovered that all of our entire planetary homes Gaia sphere is in that edge, that critical point, that edge, and that edge of, of that criticality offers the, both the greatest resilience, the greatest, uh, the greatest flexibility, and the greatest potential for ongoing conscious evolution. So this is why our universe chooses life in this way because it enables that incredible embodiment of that evolutionary impulse. And I love that, you know, on our bodies, each and every one of us is a community of coherence. 37 trillion cells 
that actually are a community of coherence. So when Teresa, you were saying that, I was feeling it within my body. I was feeling like every cell in my body was going, yay, <laughs> this is what we do all the time. <laughs> and now it's time for 8 billion of us to become the cells of a planetary superorganism of coherence as part of our planetary home Gaia's super sentience. And that's where we become her conscious co-evolutionary partners. I love this. This is so good, you guys. This is so good. And I can't wait to hear Bob because then we're going to bring the, the weaver of the stories in to talk about these islands of coherence from that, from that point of wholeness, Bob, and, and narrative. I'd love to hear your reflections on islands of coherence. Yeah, this is great. This is really great. And I, I like the flow of, um, uh, kind of going deeper and deeper into this. <clears throat> Into this, um, this, this image of, of islands of wholeness. And I'll just, so I'll just come right out and say the obvious. The, the, the famous metaphor of islands is that they're se- separate on the surface, but connected below the surface. And that's what we've been talking about this whole time. So we're not, Islands in the sense of being separate from each other, we're islands of coherence coming into our own coherence while those other islands around us are coming into their coherence, which is all tied together with the deeper, greater, eternal coherence that, that ties us all together. And this, this, so that uh, you know, brings me back to our moment of choice, the book. And what I think is a pretty, a really necessary chapter in our moment of choice to for us all to remember, especially in this conversation. And that happens to be uh, Deepak Chopra's chapter in our moment of choice, where he, he's um, basically what he's saying is wholeness is what we are. He says, when consciousness created something out of nothing, at some point after this, two tracks emerged and separated as the objective and subjective domain. We had to learn how to balance these two, even though the two worlds divide reality. So the real reality dawns when the illusion of separation is replaced by whole by wholeness, which brings us back to the first statement. Reality is wholeness. And that's why all there is, is wholeness beyond all separation. Wholeness, and what that really means then, in the context of our book and our topic for today, wholeness is not a choice. You're answering it. And it's not the yes and or the yes, yes that Jude said anymore. It's like, it's not. (laughs) I love that, Bob. Thanks. I love that. That is so good. So we're going to dig into that in a minute when I try to bring this conversation into a close. But I want to pause and give Teresa an opportunity for a minute or so to to maybe answer for those listeners, how do we create 
coherence. How do we create these islands of coherence that we're talking about? How do we create personal coherence or community coherence? What does this really mean? Well, I love, I love Bob that you said wholeness is who we are. Coherence is our natural state, right? So there isn't something outside of ourselves that we need to somehow accomplish in order to come into partnership with life. We actually need to turn our attention, our awareness inward and, and really cultivate our capacity to touch into this place inside of ourselves from which the fountain of love <laughs> is ever flowing right? It's like we are connected into the unified field through the center of our heart, and we have infinite energy, potential love that we can flow through us. And in order to come to that place, we do. We have to take time. We have to take time to go in and get quiet. We need to take time to breathe and to do practices that help us to cultivate a sense of relaxation and and resilience and uh, um a release of resistance. I think when we're when we want life to be different than it is, and we're resisting, is where where it stops flowing. So we need to come into a greater trust with life, and the only way we can do that is in community. Because if you're isolated in relationship to what's going on, it is really hard to choose love in the face of what we're facing. And I would say, the universe is clustering us into islands of coherence. So where you're feeling inspired, called, um, empowered, uh, you know, all of those things, where you're feeling an energy of aliveness and purpose is where you should put your attention. Because the universe is drawing you to exactly the right place that you need to be in the cluster of others doing the activities that are yours to do if you'll pay attention and ask and listen and come into partnership with life. And so go where you're inspired and move away from the places that make you feel dubbed down, fearful, um, uninspired, right? Just turn your attention to where you are and you will find yourself in the right clusters doing the right thing on behalf of the whole. That's what I have to say. And come play with the Global Coherence Pulse and come into practice and come join the Islands of Coherence community and put this purpose first, you know, in whatever way you're feeling called. That's what I would say. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. Wow. I don't want this conversation to end, but I am going to try to wrap us into something here because I think it's important. So the new science and universal wisdom teachings share a unitive narrative. The story of Gaia is a living example of unity and wholeness. The age-old universal journey of wholeness or a return to wholeness, whether seen through cosmology, psychology, sociology, mythology, or mysticism even, is a unitive narrative, a story of unity. The new story of wholeness is a story of unity. And the example of small islands of coherence in a sea of chaos is a great way to understand the principles, properties, and the power of unity. Coherence supports a unified state. 
So as we come full circle in this conversation today that I don't want to end, (laughs) if this is humanity's moment of choice, choosing unity and wholeness seems to be the imperative. But as Bob says, it's not even a choice. It just is what it is. And choosing unity at all levels of existence invites us to recognize that unity is choosing us. Our amazing, miraculous living universe has chosen us and continues to choose us. So the potential of where we go after this conversation, um, to me, is endless. Like today, sitting here with the three of you, thank you so much. New doors have opened in my own understanding and my sense of inquiry into this important topic. Like all of a sudden I'm, I'm like weaving things that I haven't woven before. This unitive function that life embodies, this profound evolutionary impulse that's calling us forward. Like Teresa mentioned, just like, listen, just listen to that impulse. The, there's this meaningful, coherent in formation guiding us in every moment to to remember that we are this wholeness that we're talking about. So I'm going to give us a brief minute or two for any one last thought. And I'm I'm talking like 30 seconds to a minute of 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 from each of you. And and Jude, I'm just going to start with you. What one last thought to just bring closure to this incredible conversation today do you want to bring? Thank you, everyone. I'd like to complete with a quote by Thea de Chardin. And Thea de Chardin, 100 years ago, said that someday humanity will discover the power of love. And when we do, we will have discovered fire for the second time. And it seems that if we can literally wake up to remember our innate wholeness with the whole world and the unitive narrative that underpins and frames that, we can both discover fire for the second time, live in love, because this is a science of love. And this perhaps can help us remember who we really are and who we can consciously evolve together to become. Bob. Thank you so much, Julie and Jude and Teresa. It's been a great conversation with you. What I'd like to close with is um, the cyclical nature of the evolution of consciousness. We're currently on our way back to wholeness. How we do that and how we complete that journey is exactly what a new story of wholeness is all about. It goes into depth, into the blueprint for living into wholeness. But the journey from wholeness to duality and back to wholeness is the journey humanity has been on for millennia. And what's getting us to our destination is that consciousness itself evolves toward wholeness. And Teresa. Yeah, have fun. It was so nice to hang out with you guys today, Jude and Bob and Julie. It's uh, really fun, all different perspectives, and I got sparked by everything. So I feel really wonderful about that. And I just want to say to people out listening, like it is a challenging moment. Like we are moving from uh, separation to unity. It's, it's naturally occurring. And 
in moments where I'm faced with something that feels really challenging for me to bring my love to, I, I stop and I take a breath and I feel the bottom of my feet. Like I get out of my head for a moment and I get into my feet. And then from there, as I bring my breath up, I get into my belly where I can kind of feel how I'm feeling. I get to my heart. And so the next thing that I say or the next thing that I do is actually coming from a deeper place, a, a place that I can find a moment of trust in life and respond with love in the face of whatever we're facing and and gather together in communities where the stories that are being told inspire your purpose. I think if we kind of do those things as much as we can every day, we're going to get there. Beautiful. This has been such an inspiring conversation and an important conversation. I want to thank you all. Like, thank you for musing with me and for, for really playing in this field. It was, it was just so, um, yeah, inspiring. I'm just going to leave it at that. So thank you all for joining me today. And I also want to thank Kurt Johnson. Thank you, Kurt, for giving us the opportunity to talk thank about you, unity. Yeah, talk about wholeness and this very unitive function that underpins and frames all the work we do as evolutionary leaders to really inspire, support, and serve conscious evolution. And to you listeners, I hope this quickens something within you as well. Um, igniting your own co-evolutionary partnership with life and the impulse of evolution. So for now, thank you all. And I turn this back to you, Kurt. Well, thanks so much, Julie. And thanks to you, Dr. Robert Atkinson, Dr. Jude Curavan, and Teresa Collins for that great hour spent together. And also to the Reverend Deborah Moldau, the Director of the Evolutionary Leaders, for joining us for the introductory segment. A huge thank you to the Unitive Narrative Synergy Circle of the Evolutionary Leaders for bringing this program to us. You can find out more about both the Evolutionary Leaders and the Unitive Narrative Synergy Circle at evolutionaryleaders.net and evolutionaryleaders.net slash synergy circles, and especially at unitivenarrative.org. That's unitivenarrative.org. And more about each of our guests at their web pages, as noted on the Voice America show page, where you've just joined us for this broadcast. It's been such a privilege to host this program here on the Convergence on Voice America. I'll be back in just a moment to close out and tell you what's next on the Convergence, right after we remind ourselves once again of the message of our moment of choice, as voiced by its publisher, Beyond Words, Simon & Schuster. Over to that for a minute, right now. Hello, this is Richard Cohn, publisher of Beyond Words. We are very honored to be partnering with Simon & Schuster and the Synergy Foundation to bring you a new thought-provoking book for these challenging times. It is called Our Moment of Choice, and it features 43 of the world's most well-known spiritual thinkers, offering practical solutions to the most pressing problems of our time, from economic inequality and social injustice to climate change and spiritual disconnection. Deepak Chopra offers his thoughts 
on how our inherent wholeness is not a choice, while Greg Braden suggests that we can change our world by first realizing that none of us are separate from each other. Lynn McTaggart investigates the link between altruism and self-healing. Michael Bernard Beckwith, Bruce Lipton, and many others share their thoughts on moving forward in ways that expand our consciousness and benefit the global community. Our moment of choice calls on us all to be the co-creators of a just, unified, peaceful, and thriving world. The time has come for all humanity to be united in purpose. This is our call to action. This is our collective moment of choice upon which our future depends. You can purchase your copy today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Beyond Words, or your local independent bookstore. Well, welcome back to the Convergence on Voice America. As we close out this program on unity and the unitive nature of reality. Our next program postings in January and February will be from three more evolutionary circles, the contact synergy circle, the education synergy circle, and the unitive justice and global security synergy circles. These will include fascinating programs by major experts on the intriguing subjects of first, unidentified aerial phenomena and other related controversial occurrences that have certainly come to the forefront of our global news media in the last few years. Second, a program on an amazing project built from unitive consciousness, the One Humanity Institute, being established by an international coalition at the site of World War II's notorious Auschwitz concentration camp. And thirdly, on work being done all around the world on justice of all kinds, eco-justice, human justice, economic justice, and the like. So watch for those in the new year here on The Convergence. So thanks again for joining us for this amazing and important program today. Tell your friends and colleagues about it as it is such an important transformative message in these challenging times. And don't forget to watch for videos from the books that we've talked about today at the Sacred Stories channel at YouTube. That's the Sacred Stories channel at YouTube. And for the new books from Light on Light, A New Story of Wholeness just released, and The Holo Movement being released in the spring, all from the Light on Light press at lightonlight.us. So thank you again for joining us, and best wishes to you and love for the upcoming holiday season. Mm -hmm.